A special edition of Locked on Auburn post-A-Day edition. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by Daryl Dapper, who joins me after every football and basketball game. And while A-Day is not a game, we're going to treat it as if it's one. Uh, Daryl, happy Easter to you. And um, he, he is risen uh, to Amen. all of the folks uh, watching this morning when this drops on Easter Sunday. But Daryl, I think my biggest takeaway, wasn't able to watch live, got home and watched it, and Robbie just looked, Robbie Ashford looked significantly better than everybody else on the field. He really did. Um, the RPO system that we talked about last week that we felt like was going to really enhance his tools that he has and his you know, incredible tool belt and his skill set, the RPO just really does it. Things look so much smoother. I think the biggest thing I noticed with him is, is he learns the mesh point he looked really comfortable when to hand it off and when to pull. Yep. And I was concerned about that. So when he handed the ball off, Auburn had some big runs. Hunter carried the milk early. But when he pulled it, he went around right end or left end like untouched. It was a great read, and it was a really good, uh, you know, I, I think getting comfortable in the offense. Um, he made a good throw, a seam throw, that a seam route that Hugh Freeze mentioned specifically as well to uh, Chick Dawson. So, I mean, he only threw it three times. And, and I would have liked to see more from the throwing acumen part of it. But from a running standpoint, from an RPO, that offense looks really, really good and designed for him. Because I can remember a lot of times last year, Zach, with running Harson's offense or Keysal's offense or whoever. Whatever A lot was. of times, yeah, whatever that was. Whatever, yeah. whatever, a lot of times guys were getting hit in the backfield. You know, the play wasn't developing. I was watching very closely. It There was not a first level of contact until three or four yards downfield. Now, people can say, come on, Daryl, it's it's A-Day. What, what can you draw from that? Well, I remember A-Day last year, dudes getting hit in the backfield when mm -hmm. we were trying to hand the ball off. So at least that's progress. I think that RPO with Robbie is a great marriage. It's It really, really fits, and he's really learning it. And I think he's doing well. And like I said, mesh point, when to keep, when when to hand it off. It looked good. It really did. Yeah. Well, and, and the offense, from an offensive line standpoint, as far as winning the line of scrimmage, they look good regardless, I think, of who was at quarterback. Um, it looked the best when Robbie was in. But T had some good runs. T had some good runs with, with, with TJ. And then, heck, our guy Sean Jackson. Um, mm. You know, he, he lowered his shoulder. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's worth... You know, a look, we'll see what that certainly looks like as far as, you know, maybe a, a goal line type package or something like that next to Holden. We'll certainly see. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I said it all spring. And now that I guess the entire Auburn fan base has now been able to see this new version of the offensive line, I said that it passes the eye test. And I think what we saw yesterday confirms it. I think they passed the eye test because Daryl, I don't want to be a hypocrite here when I say this. But I firmly believe that the defensive line, Auburn starting defensive line, I question their ability to rush the passer, and I said they would be elite at stopping the run. And Auburn's offensive line yesterday was able to run almost at will against them. And so props to this offensive line. Yeah, I, I noticed that the offensive line was really opening up holes. They were containing and sustaining blocks to let our backs get around the edge yesterday. I noticed when Gurner or TJ or Robbie dropped back to pass too, Zach, there was time. Yeah. It blew my mind. It was they could look downfield. And again, it had it not been so wet and sloppy, 
I think a lot of what Phil Montgomery is going to be able to do with the passing game off of the running game could be special. Well, uh, offensive- and, and Robbie, though, still with the passing, though. I mean, he's still it's like that first read wasn't there and he didn't know what to do and he kind of freaked out. And then, like, he ended up, I think it would have been a sack, but they let him run. They let him yeah. run, kind of exit to his right. And we'll see if that happens, like, in a game, Daryl. But there's still, there's still a long way to go. I think there's still a long way to go. But of the three quarterbacks, based on what we saw yesterday, it's Robbie, then there's a big gap, and then I think it's TJ, then Holden. And I would expect that. I, I think, you know, Robbie was your I most experienced. I, 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 I didn't I thought, expect it. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, but again, it's just a lucky guess. I think that TJ played a lot of minutes last year or, or a lot of uh, football last year. But once Robbie took the job over, he got so many invaluable reps, a lot of reps. And what he's able to do with his legs, to me, is the separator. I, I think do. the arm. I think the arm will come. I think the throw. I, I saw dudes open a lot. I mean, Gurner missed a wide open Mardner that he could have walked in across the middle <clears throat> on a drag route. But I saw a lot of guys open. I saw Landon King miss a ball through his through his hands, and I think you know that was the conditions yesterday, the wet conditions. But I did see guys getting schemed open, um, and the offensive line, like we talked about, did a good job of allowing guys to run their routes and get them downfield to get open. So a few things. I don't like that we're making excuses for wet conditions. They're going to probably play in the rain at some point this year. They're going to play in unfortunate weather. So I don't love that we're doing that and other outlets are doing that as well. And I'm seeing all that on socials and stuff. Well, it was, it was gross. The weather was gross. Like, yeah, well, sometimes you got to play it. You got to play the game, whatever the weather is. So I don't know if that's an excuse that we should be making, but I get it. And it definitely impacted the play calling. Right, because I I do wonder if every quarterback would have thrown the ball ten times, would we have felt that Robbie looked better than the other two? Like, and, and there's no way to know, right? There's no way to know. But what we've heard from scrimmages so far throughout spring, and just when they did a lot of team work and practices, Robbie was the most inconsistent when it came to passing the football. And so once again, what we saw yesterday, and Robbie looked significantly better than everyone else. But I do think we need to look at the full picture and all of this because that's what spring is. You know, A-Day, we want to overhype A-Day, good or bad, and overreact to all of it. And that's totally fine. But I just think it's important to to kind of think, okay, well, if the weather was clean and Hugh Freeze said they wanted to come out and air it out and they weren't going to be able to, um, what would that have looked like? And that probably, just a gut, just a gut reaction, Daryl, I think that would have helped TJ. Yeah, I think I want to clarify the weather comment. It not so much as an excuse as to understand that it limited mm-hmm. what you could call, what you could run, and what packages you put packages you put in. Like if Auburn struggled like that on a dry, sunny day, I'd have concern. I think most of the time you're going to play in weather that's not that crappy. So you you really they really pared down their play calling and what their route running was and their and their passing game. That's the concern. That I, that's the point that I'm making is we didn't get to see, I think, what the offense is capable of doing or the passing game because they could not even go to it right. because of the weather. So yeah. would they run those plays if they were playing Arkansas in the rain? Sure, they would have a bigger playbook and a bigger tool bag. Mm-hmm. I think in this, you don't want to make too much judgment off of it because they weren't able to run certain things that they particularly stayed away from because of the weather. But I agree with your point. I mean, if it's, it's going to be nasty, you better be able to throw it in some rainy conditions as well. We'll just we just won't know until that happens 
because of the playbook being pared down uh, because of the weather. I think, too, your point about it, if, if it was better and we saw, you know, T.J. Finley throw it 10 times, Gurner throw it 10 times, would we see a little bit different um, quarterback dynamic? Possibly. I yeah. just think that the, the running the running talent of Robbie Ashford is so elite totally. when a play breaks down. And in an RPO, T.J. Finley and Holden Gurner are not – now. although her, Holden Gurner, his credit – kept it on an RPO and walked it yeah. in for a two-point conversion mm-hmm. then ended up being big to make it 24-21. He had a first down as well, the drive yeah. prior to that. He got so. to the right side. To the right mm-hmm. side seemed to be a big, big area that Auburn got a lot of big gains. Austin, yeah. Batie, the quarterbacks. It's just interesting. A lot of big chunk plays went to the right side. All right, I want to go through just some bullet point takeaways, but first let's talk about Hugh Freeze and some of the comments that he made and mm-hmm. you've got a few about the quarterbacks but before we get into that uh he, this is one of the quotes that he said in post game i thought holden garner threw some good balls he missed a couple of reads on some rpos i think tj did too but it's kind of been that way all spring some really positives one day and some inconsistencies the next day we've got time to help them improve hopefully they're not RPO quarterback. I mean, I, I would expect them to miss reads on the RPOs because that's not a system I think either one of them are comfortable playing. When T.J. Finley came from LSU, he played in a pro style. When Holden Gurner played high school, he played in a pro style. So I don't know what Robbie did at Hoover. I don't know what Robbie did at Oregon. I think Oregon's more RPO than Auburn is, but he just looks more comfortable. So I expected that. I kind of felt like there was going to be some – but the, but the but the decision making should certainly be a part of it. Like well, I, TJ I don't think threw into yeah he threw into triple coverage at one point that was a poor decision. Yeah, got I bailed out by a DPI that was not pass interference. Right now, yeah. Gurner didn't look like he made he may have misread some open receivers and he did throw one behind Martin. He made the right read. He just threw it three yards behind Nick Martin or across the middle. But I couldn't tell. It's hard with the naked eye to tell what he misread, like what receiver. Or maybe route option he was supposed to go to that he missed. It's hard to figure that out. I will say this is that Sean Jackson was mostly Gurner's tailback. Mm-hmm. And if he was misreading the RPO handoff, he misread it 12 times for 77 yards. Cause Sean Jackson, you know, led the led the team in rushing. And again, when yeah. you talked about putting his shoulder down, he he gets those extra yards. That yeah, he looks falls like forward he's every time. Falls mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. That's right. Another thing that Hugh said. Um, when I was watching the SEC Network Plus crew talking to to Hugh before the game, uh, he was asked about <laughs> he was asked about execution today going into the game, Coach. What do you think about it? And he said, "Hopefully, it won't be terrible." <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember, or I would have nothing to draw from about some of his early comments when he first came to Ole Miss or first, first came to Liberty. I don't know yeah. if that's a, if that's, if this is a calculated uh, thought out process to kind of underplay what he's got or to, you know, just kind of play that game a little bit of, of downplaying stuff. I don't know. I think the Again, expectations are higher here than at Ole Miss I, or Liberty. I asked him about, the, I do. I, I, I asked him about the offensive line play because from the naked eye, and from just somebody you know that that that's not a, a football coach, uh, 
I watched it and was very impressed with it. And his comment in the press conference to me was, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. So it's, you know, he about the not, offensive line, about the offensive line. He's not mm-hmm. going to go hyperbole on anything or go over the top. There were a few people we'll talk about in a minute that he specifically mentioned by name mm-hmm. that his freaking eyes lit up when he talked about. And it was very obvious that he could not hide his excitement. But, you know, he just was not – he didn't down the offensive line. He just said he was cautiously optimistic. And I – you know, word in the press box yesterday was this offensive line looks different and looks better. So he was trying to kind of keep that – yeah, he was trying to keep that under wraps. So I don't know with his execution comment – um, you know, if he's just trying to play it close to the vest and uh, or wait for something else that may be coming down the pike. Yeah, right. Do you have any any comments that you made that you want to touch on before we kind of go through some of the I do. Game? I do. Um, okay. The first one was he was very honest when, when talking about the running game and how he felt like the running game was very, very good, but that the, the, the defensive line and stopping – the running game was not. He was very concerned about that. Yeah. Optimistic about the running game, but concerned about the defensive line not being able to stop the run. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Damari Alston by name, and this was so interesting to me and telling. He said, I got it wrong because I may have done him a disservice and undersold him somewhat before I got here, not knowing what kind of running back he is. And he has had one of the best springs so far. He mentioned him by name mm-hmm. and made a point to single out that he undersold the kid before he came on campus. You know why I think he said that? You know why I think he said that? Why? Because I think Cobb's coming in and he doesn't want Damari to transfer. That's a good point. I, I don't now, know. Now, what he said yeah. could be true. I'm not saying yeah. that he doesn't think Damari's good. I just think he's also saying, like, hey, like, you have a role on this team. The running back room, just the, I mean, Stats. you know, again, Sean Jackson is one of those guys may just be a situational back, but we talked about how Cobb's going to have to fight for, I mean, I, he's special. I don't know I how he it. plays right now. But with those three looking the way they looked, On uh, and, and and even Jackson as well, I, I said three, those four, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how he gets I, on the field. I don't think Jackson has a like relevant role in the offense. I don't, I think, think he should. I think he should. I That's mean, again, fine. I'm with you. I I'm, I'm talking about. Just, I think. I, I mean, think you just short down. Too. Just short down. I'm not talking about like everyday back, everyday carries. But I think inside the five, when Auburn struggled to score or get push, he's a good back on third and one. You know, to or inside the. Goal I'm with line. you. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and, I think. And that, I think. I think getting other guys on the field is more important. Could be, and it makes sense, know. especially a Cobb mm-hmm. who's coming there. The other comment that he made yeah. that I found very interesting was he singled out Lou, Falk, mm-hmm. and Lee and said these are three dynamic freshmen that have contributed right out of the gate. They're great human beings, and we're lucky to have three guys like that they are going to make an impact as freshmen. Three freshmen, three guys that will quasi-start. I don't know if any Lou, of them are actually in line to start. Day one. I think Lou started, Lou started with uh, next to Avery Jones. He uh, did start. He started at guard. Yeah. Yeah. Or the guard, so which I guess Tate Tate Johnson didn't play, did he? If he did, no. I didn't notice him. Yeah, I couldn't so. tell again. I yeah, I, I I was trying to figure out, and it's hard yeah. when you're talking about linemen that don't get announced and stuff. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But uh, yeah, the offensive starters were interesting because there was no because he Connor Lou was at guard, 
And your receivers were Coy Moore, Rivaldo Fairweather, uh, Javarius Johnson, and Nick Mardner. Yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Camden Brown's not playing. Yeah. And then exactly. Camden Brown came out with the twos. Yeah, that that surprised me. Well, he was he's been limited with that ankle injury uh, all spring, so I think that he didn't get the amount of reps maybe to to you know get out there with the ones. I don't know. I thought that was telling. I thought it was very yeah. very interesting. I thought it was very interesting. Um, defensive starters. The only one that really stood out to me was Rodgers and Jones at the same time. And I think just whatever set they choose to do, like, I don't know, there's going to be like six defensive linemen that are like kind of starters. So, but they open the game with Rodgers and Jones both in at the same time. So that's pretty fun. The linebackers that they started with were Austin Keys and Wesley Steiner. Take that for what it's worth. And Keys made the first two tackles of the game, which is pretty mm -hmm. fun. And then <clears throat> Caleb Wooden being the, um, Starting starting star slash nickel. Um, I thought that was interesting. Made a play where he knocked a, a ball down uh, on a route from Gurner. Uh, Marquise Gilbert, uh, it's safety, made a real nice play where he blew up, I believe, Batie in the backfield. He looked very aggressive. It was just hard to get a read on any kind of, I don't know, defensive standouts. It really mm -hmm. was. And uh, I get it. Again, it's because when you're running the ball, running the ball, running the ball like that, it's just in shuffling bodies in. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty different. Yep. And then your your starting safeties were Jalen Simpson and Zion Puckett. No Donovan Kaufman. Take that. For yeah, that time. was that was telling. That was surprising to me as well. We haven't heard a lot about him this spring, nope. so we'll see what happens there. Uh, all right, I'm just going to go through some of my my bullet points, and then you can just. Okay. Yeah, because I want to go back to one freeze comment that I left out. Oh, that I think go ahead and do most, that. Go ahead and do this that. This was the most uh, eye-opening of all. Reporter asked Hugh Freeze yesterday uh, about the quarterback play, and then he followed it up and said, "Okay, in this in this era of transfer portal, I have to ask the question: Is it possible that Auburn's starting quarterback is not on campus?" And Hugh Freeze did not shy away from the question. Said, "We like the guys we have. We feel like mm. we can win with them." But if we find somebody that gives us a better chance to win and is a dynamic, experienced starter that has played the position before, we will get him and we will use him. And if he helps us win, he will start. And if guys get upset about that, then you don't want them. They're not winners anyway is how he said it. I love that answer. I love he that answer. He's like, you know, then that's not the kind of attitude you want if people get upset about it and want to transfer. I mean, he made it very clear that they will be looking for a quarterback to add to the room if it's somebody that he, he mentioned a couple of adjectives that we're telling. Dynamic yeah. guy that started already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there may be a few of those out there. We'll see. Yeah. Messiah Nasili Kite, the defensive lineman, played a bunch of different mm -hmm. spots. Him wearing number 33 is really trippy for me. It's just not 33 should not be on the defensive line. That's going to take some getting used to. <laughs> exactly. I made a note is Damari ahead of Batty question mark. And he might be. Mm. They look very similar as far as production. Uh, Batty ran the ball early so much better, uh, picking his holes, bouncing outside. But then Alston made two runs late in the first half that really were the reason why Auburn went in and scored. I mean, he... Which, he, which back, Daryl, do you think is more similar to Hunter? 
Austin. Austin? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if Damari is Jarquez's backup and then Batty just does stuff that he's asked to do. I, I kind of, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now, but I don't know if that fully makes sense. If I'm being honest with you. No, I see what you're saying. I wonder, you know, and it would be nice. He seems like a perfect back to catch the ball out of the backfield on screen passes and that kind of thing. He's so shifty and quick and jitterbug type back and finds the holes that you're like, oh, that ain't opening up. And then boom, it does. So I, I he's got a role. I liked him a lot. I was very impressed with the way he ran the football today. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see. I've got a note about Kay and Lee having a great play on Mardner. I think I was on a third down play on an outbreaking route. He jumped it. He almost picked it. And then he also got in Landing King's face, which we kind of asked, like, okay, his size is kind of his weakness. Yeah. And then Landing King's like a foot taller than him, and he didn't he didn't care. So that was great. Really, the only negative I saw from Kayan was on probably the best offensive play of the game when Robbie threw it to Tavares Dawson on a beautiful seam and it was placed right in between. And I don't know enough about the defensive playbook to know who like whose fault this is, but it was placed right in between can Lee's zone and safety. Craig McDonald's zone and McDonald ended up making the tackle, but um, I, I'd like to know like whose assignment that that was, but Kane Lee was kind of trailing them at the end of that. And it was a great throw by Robbie. It was. It was a little out and up seam route, and Robbie threw it and released it exactly when he had to, right Beautiful. when Dawson was coming out of his break. I saw Dawson get some separation. I saw the ball in the air, and it couldn't be placed any better than it was. It was a great throw. It really was. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a note about Wilkie Denard looks solid to me as a true freshman. It surprised me. I mean, I did. I, I, that's just not a name. I thought it, it was a name that was going to fall down the depth chart. Um, again, I, I don't, I, I, to me and, and maybe watching it on TV was a little, but I didn't see Emba do anything. He seemed a little bit, I, I don't. Towards remember. the end of the broadcast, they zoomed in on Emba and talked about how he's like the former number one Juco player and all that. Um, but I, I didn't see a whole lot of him either. I don't really notice him either. If they didn't do that, like special on him. Um, do you notice who crashed in really hard on Robbie's big, like, I don't think he's the one he scored on, but his big run, Burles a Reed. Did not. Uh it was it was Cam Riley. Just totally ate that. Just totally ate that give. So that was that was a bummer. Um, do you get the vibe there's like four people in front of Cam Riley now? Do you get that vibe? Or is that I, I do. I do. And I'm I was I'm I mean, you you kind of been saying that coming out of spring practice with your little windows and I yeah. I was I was shocked and disappointed. I literally thought you would pencil him in as a starter, and he was a you know he was a absolutely uh, slam dunk, and it's not. I mean, there's guys ahead of him in the rotation. It looked like mm -hmm. Levant played more snaps than him, to be honest with you. I think Levant gets more rotation snaps at the one than yeah. Cam Riley does. Mm. Does he transfer? If he if he comes out of uh, now that spring's over is the fourth would, option like, a linebacker he, he should yeah yeah yep. um we talked about this briefly but there was a pass interference on Jalen Simpson that uh, TJ Finley threw it into triple coverage and uh, yeah he was targeting Jay Fair and he got bailed out by a DPI that was not that would not be called in a normal game would not and there was another situation where Auburn had an opportunity to extend a drive. And it was the weirdest thing. They could have had a first down, and they declined the penalty. 
And I think that was just because of time constraints early on and to get the other offensive grouping oh, on the field. Yeah, for the very first drive, um, there was a – or maybe it was TJ's drive. I can't remember, but it was a first – there was a first down, a penalty that would have given Auburn a first down, and they declined it. So, I, I know it was just kind of strange. Then my last thing is great play by Landon King, little catch and run from from Holden Gurner kind of late in the game. So those yeah. were those were kind of my bullet point takeaways. Very small sample size to see, you know, spring games are just a little bit of an appetizer to whet your appetite anyway. This was even, you know, pared down more because of weather and because of availability and that kind of thing. So I, I think that the the framework and some of what I saw as far as offensive philosophy, mm -hmm. I'm very excited about. I mean, I just am. I think I saw receivers getting open. I like the RPO. Now, when you get bodies to plug in to play that to the system, I fully trust this staff that they're going to run out the best 22. Feelings aren't going to matter. And I'm excited about structure. I'm excited about what I saw was a blueprint, although we just saw a little taste. I saw some things – early on that I didn't see in spring games in a while from an offensive standpoint. Is there a glaring concern from what you saw on Saturday? Uh, I want to not overreact on the defensive line, giving up so many chunks of yardage from the run game. So I'll wait to hold judgment on that. That could be a concern, but I, yeah. I, go ahead, mm -hmm. go ahead. Well, I, I'm not super concerned about that because I think a lot of like what Ron Roberts does defensively, like he didn't do any of it. Like he didn't do any kind of, of that like stuff yesterday. Like we saw guys play different positions, but like it really wasn't that creative. And I think a big part of what he does defensively is he makes the opposing offensive linemen like think and make decisions and like I don't think there was a whole lot of threat of like, is there going to be an extra guy coming through a gap yesterday? And so I, I just yeah. think over the course of that, you'd, you'd force more negative plays. And that's where I got to change my mindset because I think of an extra guy coming in a gap or making offensive linemen think in the passing game. But you mm -hmm. can still utilize that in the run game too because a guy goes through a gap that's unblocked and he blows up a play in the backfield like Gilbert did or something mm -hmm. like that. So, you know, I always equate – you know, blitzing and all these different packages and making offensive linemen think in different looks with a quarterback dropping back to pass, but you could utilize that in the run game too. Yeah. And the only other thing I would say, you know, I kind of knocked Heather Dinich a little bit on, on uh, a previous podcast we did for her comments about the receivers. And there's been a recurring theme about the receivers having to catch up, catch up again. Yeah. I, it's a small sample size because they threw it six times. But I don't know. They look lost. They, they, they look looked lost. really lost out I there. Heather Dennis was all over it. Yeah, I saw a couple of balls go through people's hands and all. So I, yeah. I don't know. I, I want to see that uh, before fall get cleaned up as well. But even like watching Camden run routes, and I mean, I just didn't really ever seem like they, anybody ever expected the ball. Like I, I don't know, it didn't. Too. It just yeah, didn't look that. right. It just didn't look right, Daryl. They may have known though. Who knows? I mean, they may have known that the ball was not going to be thrown, but seven times, so they kind of went through the motions. But they need to get that cleaned up. And that's not good. It's and you not don't good. need to be playing for Auburn. And, and, and guess what? They'll find somebody that doesn't go yeah. through the motions and put them on You're the right. field. That's what I like about this coaching staff. You're right. Daryl, any, uh, any final thoughts? 
Well, I will just say the way Hugh Freeze handled uh, everything in the post-game press conf- conference was really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very, very open and honest, mm-hmm. good and bad, good mm-hmm. and bad. And it, and it led an immediate reaction from TJ Finley to comment and say he doesn't know whether or not if he brings another quarterback into the portal, if he'll be at Auburn. He, he doesn't know. He's going to have to talk it over with his family. He doesn't know if he'll be here because of comments that, as he said, Hugh Freeze has made more than once about going to find a quarterback. I thought that was very telling. And I think if you're willing to do that and you're willing to put your put it out there and not worry about hurting feelings, I just I have to go back to what we've said for a long time is that the starting quarterback, I'd be totally satisfied right now from what I saw in the RPO and if Robbie's growth and maturation level can improve over the summer, I would be happy and fine with Robbie running this team. I just have a feeling this coaching staff feels like they want more. Uh, I certainly get that feeling too. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Daryl, so, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on and doing it. It's fun this. to do it again. It's been a while since we've done it. The Iron Bowl was the last time we did a little reaction show for football. So this was great to be uh, back in the saddle again, per se. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, be sure to give Daryl some love. That's his Twitter handle down there, DAP. 6410. You can find me on socials at Z Blackerby and all of my written work at auburndaily.com. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. <laughs>